Welcome to Ariel Talk Time, hosted by business intuitive, entrepreneur, and founder of Ariel, Victoria Lynn Weston. Listen to her thought-provoking interviews with inspiring leaders, creators, and intuitive thinkers who share their stories and lifestyle tips to enhance your way of living. And we're inviting you to join our conversation. If you like this interview, please post a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Hello, everyone. It's Victoria. Hope you're having a great day wherever you are. Today, our topic is a mother's grace. And before I introduce our guests, I want to talk a little bit about voice. The future is here with voice. Did you know that customers use Amazon Alexa billions of times each week through hundreds of millions of Alexa devices in their living rooms, their kitchens, bedrooms, and even their cars? The future is here, and it's time to voice your brand. My company, Studio Carlton, well, we produce and develop custom Alexa skills for professionals, business owners, and even authors. So if you want to expand your brand, engage your audience on a voice platform to promote your services, even sell your books, because you can have excerpts of your book and have a call to action to buy that book through Amazon, and it ends up being a a very seamless transaction. And of course, now you can have gorgeous visuals for users that use the Amazon Echo devices. Check out studiocarlton.com and when you're ready to engage your audience, expand your audience on Amazon Alexa, just reach out to me, Victoria at studiocarlton.com. My guest is the founder and president of Mother's Grace. It is a nonprofit organization that addresses the critical needs of mothers and their children in the midst of tragic life events. And she is a woman doing great things for other women. A Mother's Grace does things like building an orphanage in India for little girls to protect them from kidnapping and diseases, paying rent for a single mom who lost her job, partnering with a woman to create comfy and cozy adapted apparel for kids with cancer and to wear during chemo treatments. Michelle Moore is our guest today, and she's going to talk to us about her nonprofit organization, A Mother's, Mother's Grace, and she's also going to talk to us about her book, A very inspiring book, I might add, A Mother's Grace, Healing the World One Woman at a Time, and highlights 13 moms who who were brought to their knees after a profound loss of life, home, health, or livelihood. And although they experienced the unimaginable tragedy, each of them turned their suffering and grief into something positive to help others. We're also going to learn about Michelle Moore. She, too, had overcome several uh, health issues and continued on to do her great good, A Mother's Grace. Michelle, it's a pleasure to have you here today. So you share 12 stories of women and how their lives uh, serendipitously came together in the most unique ways so that you could continue to grow this movement and partner with these women in quite miraculous ways. Tell me a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, um, when I, uh, the the book starts off with me as a a five-year-old girl who lost their mother um, in a very, very traumatic way. My mom literally dropped dead in front of me at five years old from a congenital heart defect. And it was traumatic and surprising. And um, it it talks about the journey of coming through that trauma and, and my subconscious and divine way of looking for mothers to impact me through my life and how it led me to these different mothers and how we all came together in a very divine and spiritual way where they were just presented to me in different arenas of my life. And, and they also had very similar stories where something very, 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 very traumatic happened to them. Um, and then 
how we came together and worked together um, and how our lives kind of converged and, and uh, the story kind of grew exponentially out of that. And then it, you know, really winds up with my, you know, the, the last part of my story, which is comes full circle. Um, when I became one of these mothers, I was researching uh, and, and was diagnosed with cancer in 2008. And my son was diagnosed with a serious illness that same year. So the trauma came full circle. I became one of the moms and we all, that's how the book kind of shows the, the circling the wagons. That's pretty, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how in our life, sometimes we go through these, these traumatic, you know, circumstances, whether that's, you know, a, uh, an emotional trauma or a physical trauma and that, and how do you feel that your particular health issues and, and that coupled with surviving, you know, a severe case of COVID, how do you think that changed your life? Well, that's exactly what the book is about is that, you know, I'm a different person today than I was, you know, at five years old, 15 years old, 35 years old, um, that this journey has, you know, really impacted me and my level of faith in, you know, humanity and, and faith in God and just how the grace of God works miraculously when you t stop and take a deep breath and really look at your life and look backwards and you see how it's impacted it along the way but also how serendipitously people are just dropped into your life. And, and each one of these stories, it talks about how these women were just dropped into my life. I didn't go looking for them. They were yeah. just dropped into my life and it all became a really uh, journey of this book. And, uh, and in the end, again, like I said, I became one of the mothers and form, formated, formulated uh, the charity of Mother's Grace and now we work with a lot of these charities to help the same women that, that go through these types of things. What advice would you give women in crises? Oh boy. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of that in the book, but I'll say, I'll, I'll say that uh, having a strong faith is, is paramount. Um, you know, the surrender that happens when you are going through a horrible time, and I've had many of them, many things from loss of a mother young to cancer, to a sick child, to a divorce. Um, and in each one of those, when you think you're, you know, you're, you're laying in bed and, and you don't think you can get up the next day and, and you're throwing your hands up in the air saying, why me? And what do I do? I don't feel even able to take the next step forward. I think at that moment, it's always faith for me. I've recently had some of that happen again. And <clears throat> I think, God, how can I go through anything again? And I, and it's it, the first few days are always traumatic. And you think you just want to lay in bed and cry. And, and then, and then that faith kind of emerges and you just take one step out. And I think also having a support system. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I mean like a serious support system, three or four and I always say women, it can be men too, but I mean, your girlfriends, your sisters, your, you know, this, this network of people that will actually come and say, I know you feel like shit today, but we're going to go out on a hike. And that's just one step forward, one step forward. So I think the faith having a, a really, 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 really strong and engaged support system. And, um, you know, I think writing about it and feeling it is, is are the most important things. And what do you think the long-term goal is? Is the long-term goal, because I understand you'd like to help other women that want to start, you know, a philanthropic um, 
practice as well, you know, to help other women and that type of thing. Um, what is the big goal for you with this? Do you want to do a documentary and talk about these 12 women plus yourself? Because you yourself have overcome, you know, major, you know, health issues and still managed to bring together other women and then do something bigger because you had a bigger purpose in life, obviously. And then um, you had to go through these experiences to be able to come to that plateau. So what do you, where do you go from here with that? That's a great question. So right now our charity is mostly in Arizona. Um, although we do, ha we have gotten some national coverage and international coverage by helping, you know, a, a smaller cohort of women. And so what we're hearing from hospitals and social workers all over the country, that there's nothing like mother's grace where they are. That's why they come looking for us. There's not something that steps in when, a, let's say a mom has a child in the hospital dealing with cancer and she's got three other kids at home and this child has cancer and a parent has to be with the child every single day. Cause you can't leave a kid at the hospital when they have cancer and they're going right. to. So what happens is mom has to, take off work or dad has to take off work many times. It's both of them and they have travel costs and they're not working. Maybe they're a teacher and they've used up all their time or they're a hairdresser and they get paid to, to do hair. Um, what happens is someone can nominate these women from all over the country and, and hospitals do the hospitals know our name and they'll say, Hey, this woman needs 30 days to get back on her feet. She's trying to take care of a family work and the sick child. We can come in and pay a mortgage for one month or counseling sessions or whatever it may be to take the burden off mom for 30 days. And what I'm finding is these, these hospitals and these social workers saying there's nothing like it. So our goal is to make it where there's more national support and maybe like a Mother's Grace East Coast, we've delved into that. And then like you said earlier, I would love to be able to turn this book into a documentary to get a lot of attention to mother's grace, which will grow it exponentially and, and support more women. It will also inspire women too to do their, to do their thing. And, and not everyone has to go out and, you know, start a charity, baking a, making a dinner for somebody that's going through this is one of the best things you can do. And, and we hear from women. That's one of the things that they like most is someone dropping off dinner to them. So it can be anything, but it, I think the book inspires women to find their place in where they can support other women. I always love the idea of food because there's nothing better than a home cooked meal. And because of all the love and, and the attention and the affection that goes into that preparation and then taking the time to drop it off. So I can, I can understand why people would like that, you know, a lot, because I, I guess I just find a whole experience, you know, extremely comforting in that. Um, well, we look at this fearful time that we're all going through now, at least we're coming out of, um, what is your advice for women that are sort of trying to let go of their own fear rather that, you know, rather than allowing it to hold them back? Another excellent, excellent question. It's something I've struggled with my whole life. Fear and anxiety. It keeps us from so much. It keeps us from love. It keeps us from success. And it keeps us from connecting with other people. And it's something I've struggled with since I was a child. And I think the, the, there's two things you can do. Take a walk in faith. And every time you have anxiety and stress and, and worry about, you know, and any type of fear, hand that over to God and surrender and, and use a mantra to get you going and just take one simple step out. Like I said, there's times when, you know, I don't want to get out of bed. And, and if you read this book, you're going to, some people will say, Oh, you're so strong. You're so strong. And I write about that at the end of the book that all these women have been told you're so strong, 
but we are also the same women that couldn't get out of bed for a period of time. And so it's only one simple step. You do not have to tie yourself to changing the world overnight. And you don't have to tie yourself to setting the world on fire overnight. What you only have to do is one simple step. It may be, I need to go for a walk. It may be that I need to go to the grocery store. One simple step out of it can make all the difference. Don't you think that a lot of times our inner strength comes from, because we know we have a bigger purpose, like a lot of women, particularly whether they're mothers or just, you know, professional women or, you know, working for, you know, a company and career. Don't you think that's that inner, that inner power, that inner, you know, purpose in our life, you know, compels us and propels us to get out of bed that we're not going to surrender because we have a bigger purpose in life. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, And like I said before, our purposes are all different. You know, try to tap into what yours is. I think I discovered mine late in life. Um, I was a a corporate executive for 27 years, climbing the corporate ladder. And while that was really important in my journey, it wasn't the most important thing. So, So pray and meditate and journal to find your life's purpose. And your purpose may not be starting a charity. It may be you're a great cook. And like I said before, meals have been the number one response to our question, what is the thing that has supported you the most? And as a cancer survivor that went through one year of treatment, there are things, a lot of things that people did for me, but the meals were the number one thing. In your book on mother, a mother's grace, you pose the question, what is your grace? And I'd like to ask you, what do you think the definition of grace is? And then defined, what is your grace? Okay. So for me, grace is what comes in when you surrender and let go. So instead of trying to control an outcome, let's say you are one of the people that has had something happen and you're, you're laying in bed and saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you're trying to, to control the outcome. You're trying to, you know, uh, facilitate someone else's response or, you know, show them the way instead I think grace is what happens when you absolutely let go of any outcome and that comes in. So um, if you are really wanting something in life and you're praying about it and you finally say, okay, whatever the will is for this, I'm letting go. And then all of a sudden, instead of you trying to control everything that happens, you see grace come in, that fills up the holes that have caused pain. And uh, I think it's the ultimate surrender and what happens next. So what is my grace? My grace is, is faith, detachment from the outcome, hope, and, and just uh, and, and, uh, surrender. I see grace as, as, uh, as femininity, as an intimate moment, as a, a spirituality, sort of an epiphany, awakening, but ever so graceful, if you will. Um, and that's how I see it, because it's so easy today to sort of get that edge. You know, people are going in life, they're competitive, they've, they've got to make a living. And, and I'm sure you were at one point of that. And I'm certainly myself have been that you're, you're there and all of a sudden you get, you know, hit over the head with, you know, a health issue and you're forced to slow down and sort of reflect on your life, like it or not. And then of course, then you pick up and then move on. How do you think that women finding their grace, how do you think that they become change agents within their own career? And then of course, in their own family and in in communities? Such a good question. Um, How do they become change agents? I I think here, here's my opinion. Women that have faced some sort of crisis or acute life circumstance 
when they've gone through that and they've really actualized it and walked through it, they are the best person to take that experience to other women that have the same situation. So for example, me being diagnosed with breast cancer, um, I was very aggressive. I was in treatment for a year. I was working in diagnostics at the time. So I took all of that and, and, and then was, when we started Mother's Grace, I really focused on women with cancer because not only could I help them diagnostically and point them in the right directions of, to get the help they needed, I could be there for them and hear every one of their fears and actualize them like no one else could because I've been through it. So when people wanna become change agents, you actualize what you know best and you are there for other people. You're able to listen and be present because you've, you feel, you can, you can almost feel what they're going through. So I think whatever it is, whether it's been a divorce or the loss of a child or um, loss of a job or struggling in corporate America as a woman, whatever it is, to be that change agent, feel the feelings, and then be present for another. And that will help you get to the next spot. But what about the women that don't have the courage or the confidence to do that? I think how do, how do they break the way from that you know, mold, if you will? So uh, I wrote about that in the end of the book, that if you are someone that's struggling with getting out there, I wrote a whole to-do list of things you can do. But one of the things I'll mention here is... Pick what issue really resonates with you. So let's say mine is breast cancer Um, and get involved. Start with getting involved in an already established program, organization or charity, whatever it is, group and get your confidence that way. So, um, you know, with my situation, I I joined an organization called breastcancer.org and I learned a lot from other women. And then I, you know, was able to, you know, in a year or two, start giving advice to other women. And you get a confidence and a self-esteem that way. So you don't have to start anything on your own. Find the thing that resonates with you most and then research a group organization, uh, business or whatever it is that you can join and just follow along until you, you develop that footing. What do you feel like with the women that get left behind? What do I feel like? Yeah. How do you feel or how do you handle women that get left behind? I mean, do you, I mean, let's, let's imagine you're in, in group therapy, for instance, and you've got all these women there and you've got the ones that, you know, just don't have the confidence to get up. Maybe they're feeling held back by that fear that you alluded to earlier in that. Is there one sort of magic bullet that you offer them that they can ponder over? Maybe it's a, an affirmation, setting intentions, just having a, a prayer with themselves and their, their spiritual, you know, guide. I think that's another a great question. Um, there's two things I would suggest. I would say, first of all, to the people that are finding their footing and their confidence, reach out to the person in the back of the room and, you know, give them a hug or just say, Hey, I noticed you, you know, really engaged in this talk or, um, you know, I saw you having a few tears. Do you want to talk? Reach out to that person. If you're someone that's already found their footing, if you're someone that's struggling with finding your footing or your, your self-confidence to engage into something like this, absolutely do something every single day. Even if it's the tiniest thing. If you, do one page of journaling that says how it would feel if you got engaged or say a prayer or do an exercise that will help you feel like you can get to the center of the room. 
um, and ask for somebody for help. Like, the, you know, someone that you feel like is a real simpatico kindred spirit or the leader of the group to say, hey, I'm having a hard time stepping into this. Can you help me? What, usually people in a group like that are, are happy to help and understand that feeling anyway. So, so partner up with somebody that you, you feel is simpatico. That's a good answer. And I like that. And I think there's a, there's a lot, it's a very deep answer. I think people, I think people that are struggling right now that might be listening to this saying, Hey, you know, it's just that small step. And we've heard that, you know, over and over and over again, but, but it's truly that. And then, you know, find or flip through things that you find inspiration, whether it's looking at, you know, a new wardrobe or looking at a new home. I think it's, it's finding the inspiration and, and then moving on with that as well. Now, here's a question I like, cause it's always like, you know, people go through all these hardships and then nobody really ever asks this. And it's kind of like, what have you learned? And I have to say that if you haven't learned anything, does that mean that God's going to, you know, throw out a couple more of those, you know, hard balls, you got to learn another hardship kind of thing. I mean, so what do you think, what have you learned from your, you know, uh, cancer, breast cancer, and then of course the, the COVID incident. Um, the cancer situation taught me sheer faith and uh, lack of <laughs> not being able to control. So I think I went, you know, in my young forties when I was diagnosed with cancer, I uh, was, you know, in corporate America type A personality and felt like I could control outcomes. And I would spend so much stress and energy trying to figure out how to make this happen, how to make this happen. And the opposite is what came to fruition for me on the, out, on the outside of cancer, on the backside of it. It was, don't, you can't control anything. You, you, can, you can't really control anything. So let go and let God. I mean, it sounds so simple and cliche, but that's what I learned the most. And then the thing that I'm still working on today that, that was definitely part of that type A personality is patience. In fact, I had a, an episode of that today. It's something I work on every single day, but I had an episode of it today. I was on a meeting this morning with a gentleman that talked a lot he was a very nice gentleman. And for me, it's like, okay, let's get to the point. Let's get to the point. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, it we, we got everything covered and it was in the um, allotted time that we had agreed upon, which one hour it wasn't like we went over at the end of it. My, my partner looked at me um, and said, Hey, do you think he, he talks too much? He's long in the tooth. And I said to him, yeah, I did. And I felt myself becoming very impatient. But then I said to myself, who's to say his way is wrong and mine's right. You know, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. Maybe what I needed to learn today was some of the ramblings that he had. And that was great that he shared some of his personal story with me and the patience was part of the lesson. So I think learning that our way is not always the right way even though we think we're really efficient and expeditious, that there's things to learn and we have to slow down and be patient. And that's, that's where our, the other thing I'm, I'm really, really working on. I agree. But, and then again, you had to slow down because I think the important thing there that, that maybe you hadn't quite hit on yet is the fact it was important for you to learn his story and so that you can learn from it at some point. You may not think about it today, but you know, maybe a month from now, two months from now, there's going to be you know, a situation where you think, oh, wow, somebody else, I talked to somebody else that had a similar story and I know how to approach it. Exactly. Exactly. 
But anyway, so I think it's kind of like you probably go, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour and it's just really hard to sometimes slow down. And I think a lot of us are like that. I'm like that a lot of times, you know, myself, it's like you want to get to the chase and move on to the next, you know, segment of life kind of thing. But anyway, good for him that, you know, he sort of compelled you to slow down and listen to his story. And, um, and then we'll see what, what, what unfolds after that. But here's, an, here's another thing is how do you teach not just children, but how do we teach our, our friends, our, our, our family? Because there's a lot of people around us that really aren't very empathetic at all or very generous. I don't mean generous in giving material thing. I mean, just generous with their time, you know, or just being kind. I mean, how do you, how do you define, I mean, how do you get, teach people to be empathetic? It's one of my favorite questions that you've asked, and it's something I'm I'm trying to deal with. Um, it's really interesting. I was at a mass this last Sunday, and they talked about, you know, quit trying to remove people's specks in their eyes when there's a plank in your own eye. It's, I think it's a Bible verse, and um, I think, and they talked about not being critical, but instead being, um, you know, a light, a beacon. Uh, and so now, what I do is one of the things that gets to me the most, and I'll tell you, it's one of my worst pet peeves is when I'm with my friends and we're out and we don't have a lot of time together anyway. And they're on their phones 24 seven. They're either, you know, texting people or checking things or taking photos and posting them. And even at my age, I'm thinking, gosh, why are you doing that? You know, we don't have a lot of time to go, let's be present. And then I have another group of friends that is never on their phones and we're just talking. And so when I, the one thing that I do do is try to model good behavior. So um, you know, putting my phone away and just being present. And recently I was um, with a group of girls. We were at a 50th birthday party and we were playing this game and they came out with a title and then they had to say who was the best at it of these seven friends. And one, one of the questions says, who among you is the best listener? And they all voted for me. And I was like, that was really amazing to me. Like, I think I'm a good listener, but you never know. And then when they said that I was like, you know what, I'm going to continue to model that because it does make an impact on them when they see that I do that. Like I'm not getting on my phone. I'm not, you know, chatting about myself 24 seven. Uh, I'm listening. And so the fact that I modeled it and that they see it without me telling them to do it is I think a better lesson than getting in their face, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. So you have your book and it's a mother's grace healing the world one woman at a time. And I think it's going to be a really inspiring book. And I, everybody can get this at their, you know, local online bookstore as well. But how did, what do you, how do you learn the balance of the dichotomy of the male dominated business world and the women's heart and soul of compassion? I imagine that has to do with not with marketing your book, but as well as your philanthropic work as well. Yes. Um, and being a mom too. Uh, it, it, it's been a challenge throughout my life because I work with mostly men and it is a male dominant dominated industry and you have to show up in a very strong part of yourself and I've noticed that sometimes that translates to the way I speak to my kids and my friends and so um, keeping that soft side that feminine side is really really important and I think I found that in the charity and um, in my meditative life and um, my faith life so it's really really important but but not to underscore the importance of the business side too. I think it's been great for me. It's just finding that balance. 
pretty amazing. I have to say this one thing. Um, it, it's pretty amazing that your 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 five hundred one three C your your charity group here, Mother's Grace, is that you have actually raised more than five million dollars for families in acute crisis and assisted more than six thousand mothers just in the state of Arizona. I mean, my gosh, that is a lot. A lot accomplished in just one little state. Can I can imagine what you could do if somebody came along and gave you, you know, funding and, and contributions to really help you on uh, on a, a more national level as well. Do you think yeah. that's in the future? Do you, th- do you want to do that, or is it is it just Arizona, you know, kind of a lot, you know, more than you can handle, kind of thing? You know, um, I, my goal is in the next, you know, three to five years is to find a place on the other coast that can service those, those women as well, because we get a lot of requests. I'd say 20% of the requests we get now are from out of state. And we do a lot of certain amount, we do a lot, a certain amount of funds to outside the state, but it's, it's nowhere near what we do for Arizona. So um, I, yeah, I'd like to be able to do that because a woman's a woman's a woman. It doesn't matter you know, where you live. Well, I could see you being on Oprah. I don't know if you've pitched her yet, but maybe it's time to uh, send her a note. I don't know if she's still doing doing the online thing or maybe have a little TV show or something like that. I mean, if anybody's the queen of some philanthropic work, that would be be her, you know, and um, that's all you need. You know, one person's voice like that to take a, a moment, you know, a, 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 a graceful moment and a grateful moment to kind of get the word out about what you're doing, because it's it's really quite extraordinary and I certainly applaud your efforts on that. And I invite everybody to read the book and then learn more about you. I imagine you have a website with this, do you? Yes, um, we have a website for Mother's Grace Charity. It's mothers-grace.org. And the one for the book is under development right now. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Anyway, um, is there any closing comments that you'd like to uh, talk about? Well, I just, you know, really want to thank you, uh, Victoria, for letting me uh, join your, your podcast. And I really appreciate the, you know, the thoughtful and intuitive questions. Uh, you really are dialed into kind of what we're trying to accomplish. And I appreciate that and, and the, t- and what you're doing for everybody else as well. So thank you. Likewise. Let's do one more thing though, because you want to also not just, you know, expand your own, um, a mother's grace charity, but you also want to help other people, you know, both women and men start their own 5013C. And uh, especially during, you know, sort of filling this void as we overcome, you know, th- this pandemic, which I'm sure is going to take another, you know, good six months or a year before it's completely, you know, behind us. So what do people need to learn or do they contact you and, you know, independently to learn about that? And Because in a way you would be their mentor to sort of help them launch that. Sure, they can certainly contact us through the website at mothers-grace.org. And there's an email there to contact us. You can also contact us through Facebook. We have a Mother's Grace um, where we're, you know, we put all of these podcasts and articles on there. And please let us know how we can help you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Victoria. All right, we'll talk again. All right. Tune in next time, as there's always something new to learn on Ariel Talk Time. If you're a professional lifestyle consultant looking to expand your brand, gain more recognition, or to be featured with an exceptional group of inspiring professionals, join Ariel. Visit ariel.com.